All right. All right, hey, so like I said earlier, we are only um, like just a little bit over two weeks away, two weeks away from Christmas. How many of you, how many of Christmas, for you, Christmas is your favorite holiday? Christmas is your favorite, like it's literally, it's actually your favorite time of year. Good. Um, I love Christmas. Christmas is awesome. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited because typically for, for Christmas, um, I get to see family. Um, and and for, for most of you, like you live at home with your family. Uh, but for me, my family is five hours away. Uh, like my parents, they live in Indianapolis. And so uh, we're going to get to go and see them this year. Uh, and I'm, I'm really excited. So usually during... Um, Christmas time or whatever, uh, you know, it is like, it's all about spending time with family, getting to, getting to be able to hang out with them. Um, and so I'm just, I'm really looking forward to that. And I'm excited to continue to dig in um, to this series with you guys. So it's called Christmas uh, with Paul. Uh, no, sorry, that's my brother, Paul. Um, so we're going to be in the book of Galatians. So go ahead and go Galatians. We're not talking about that, Paul, not this one. Um, we're talking about, that's my brother. Uh, we're talking about Paul in the Bible. So Paul, the apostle Paul, isn't he cute though? Isn't that adorable? Little, little Paul. <laughs> okay. That's enough of that. All right. So we're going to be in Galatians chapter four, uh, Galatians chapter four. And, uh, and I'm, I'm actually going to start reading um, in chapter 3. I'm going to kind of back up just a little bit to give us some context. Um, if you guys know what the word context means, it's actually, it's like, some, it's like the surrounding um, area in Scripture. When we say, hey, what's the context of this, of this verse or this passage? It means like, hey, what's in front of it and what's after it? And what's the whole book or chapter? Like, how does it fit into the overall story of the Bible? Um, and so when you hear somebody say like, well, that's not the right context or that's out of context, it's like, it's, that's, you're not using it right. Um, but so I want to give us a little bit of context, um, a little bit of the before of what Paul is talking about before we even get to um, verse one in chapter four. So Paul is writing this to the, to the church in, in Galatia. Um, and I'm actually going to start all the way back in verse 23 um, reading. And then I'll, I'll jump into this and, and we'll, we'll read through it. And then we're going we're gonna to pick this apart um, and look at uh, how Paul points us towards Christmas. So here we go, verse 23 in chapter 3. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So even before I jump into um, verse 1, there's a, a word there that, that Paul uses um, called heir. Uh, and it's spelled H-E-I-R. It's not like the air you breathe, like, like it, that's not it. Um, it's not the air that I breathe uh, in the morning when I pick my son up. And it surprisingly has bad uh, morning breath for a two-year-old. Uh, it's kind of amazing. That's different kind of air that I'm breathing in. All right. He is my air, H-E-I-R, but not that. Yeah, it's confusing. 
So heir is uh, a term that we typically associate with um, like a royal line or like kings of the old days uh, where you say, hey, this person, this king has a son um, and one day that son is going to grow up and assume the throne when the, when the old king gets old and dies, um, that, that kid who is a prince will become the king. He is the heir to the throne, kind of like the next in line um, to the throne. Right now, there's all like... People are trying to figure out, like, what's going to happen uh, over in uh, England right now, like over in Britain, uh, because they technically still have uh, a queen, uh, and she's getting kind of old, and there's, like, all these articles that I've been seeing lately that's, like, what's going to happen when she passes? Like, who's going to – is anybody going to, like, take the throne? Are they just going to kind of do away with – what are they going to do? Um, what's it going to look like? All these – like, who is – you've got, like, hey, who's the heir? Who's – they know who it is, but there's still all these questions kind of surrounding it, so it's really interesting. So um, the word heir here, especially in scripture, um, is, is referring kind of to the same thing. Somebody who is going to inherit or, or kind of is in the line of a king, all right? Except for here, um, they're talking about being an heir of Abraham, an offspring, somebody down the line who is a descendant um, of Abraham or a descendant of, of this person. So here we go, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. I mean that the heir, there it is, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. So what, what Paul is saying here right at the get-go, um, he's saying basically back in the old day, you had people who would, who would serve the house who were, who were called slaves, um, and you had, uh, it's, it's different from American, like 17th, 18th century slave, a little different. Um, and so, so it's not, it's, yeah, a little different. Um, but you have people who would grow up in households with servants, um, but until they were of age, so like for you guys, right, what, what's, the, what's the age that you're technically an adult um, here in America? Do you guys know? 18. Um, I would argue that I'm 27 and sometimes I still don't feel like an adult. So just so you guys know, it doesn't just, it doesn't, like you don't wake up on your 18th birthday and you're like, I know all these new things now. I'm so smart, mature. Um, that doesn't happen that way. So, but back in the day, it was people that were not of age or old enough um, that were minors would basically, as like a kid, like you're, you're a part of the house, you know that one day you were going to inherit all this land, all this livestock, all of this stuff. Um, but at the same time, you're, you really, like, you don't technically own anything yet. So you're, you're on, like, the same level as the servants in the house. Like, you own as much stuff as they do, which is nothing. Um, because you are not old enough yet to receive that. Or you, like, your time has not come to receive that yet. So he says, though, let's, though he's the owner of everything, but he's under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. Verse 3, in the same way also, when we were children... We're enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. And so here we go. He, he, he's alluding to this, like, we know about this already, right? That from the very beginning, from, from Genesis 3, since the fall happens, we are slaves to sin. Like, we are under it. We are crushed by it. Like, it is, it is in us, and it, it is ruining every, like, it has destroyed God's good world. And in the same way, when we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Here we go. Point us to Christmas, Paul. Verse 4. 
But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman. So right there, he's already like, he's pointing back to Bethlehem. He's pointing back to the manger. He's pointing us back to Christmas. He's saying, hey, things were broken. Things were, things were full of sin and we deserved death. And there was no, like hope was slim. And we say, what, what do we do? And people had waited years and hundreds and thousands of years. Like they had waited for this time to, for the fullness of time to come for God to say, now is the time. Now is the time that the savior, that the Messiah is entering the world. They'd waited for that. And God sent forth his son, Jesus, born of woman, right? And even that phrase born of woman points us back to Genesis three, where the, where, um, Eve and Adam, they're in the garden and, and, and the, like God is talking to them and he is saying, Hey, but, but from you, woman, will come forth one day a man who will crush the head of the serpent. Like this prophecy, this looking forward to somebody who will one day put things right. Paul is, he's alluding to that. He's, he's kind of pointing back at the born of woman. It's like, obviously, yes, um, a woman had this child because that's the way things work. Um, but he's pointing you all the way back to Genesis 3. And he's saying he was born of woman. He was born under the law. He was, he was born a Jew born under the same law, under the same things that, that the rest of, of humankind was born underneath at, in that day. Under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions or adoption as sons. So what Paul is pointing us to is again the fact that Christ's coming as a, as a baby, Bethlehem, the manger, the whole thing, the reason that we celebrate Christmas is pointing us to an extremely personal, very, very, like, it is, some people would use the word intimate, like, it is a close, like, it is like, it's as close as you can get. Like, Jesus came and lived with us. Like, he stood next to people, he was with people in the same way that your friend is sitting right next to you right now, and you could reach out and, like, touch them, um, you don't have to touch them right now. I mean, don't bother them. Um, but in the same way, Jesus comes and he becomes like us, right? We looked at that last week as well, that he gave up heaven and he came to earth as a baby to become like us so that he could rescue us, that we could know him. So that, it's, and it's not just, hey, he came as a baby because this is like kind of a, you know, that'll make for a good story. Like, that's not, that's not what's happening here. It's so that we might receive adoption as sons. He's saying that Jesus came so that instead of being slaves or, or like slaves under sin, that we would become heirs, that we would become children of God. He goes on to say in verse 6, he says, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So catch that. Because of what Jesus did, and because we have the ability to be adopted as his sons and his daughters into his family, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, so that way we can cry, we cry Abba, Father, Dad. Like, we, we can look at God as our heavenly Father. Like we, all, like, we all have an earthly father. 
He may be, you may think he's awesome. You may think he's kind of eh. Like, he may not be around. For some of you, that's like your daily reality. And the idea of a father figure or somebody who is a dad, like, you don't have a very good picture of that. Like, when you think about, you just think about the word dad, you kind of have like a bad taste in your mouth. I can promise you that your heavenly father is different. He's nowhere close, nowhere near to the things that you picture and, and think of and remember when you think of, of dad or, or your father. And even for those of us, like, I know that I love my dad, and I know that he was, he's a good dad. Like, I, I love talking to him, but I also know that I have a father in heaven. I have a heavenly father who loves me more than my earthly father ever could. And that's crazy for me to think about because I know that my dad loves me. But to think that there's somebody else out there who loves me, like, infinitely more, it's comforting and it's, it's awesome to think about. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit. It's where he lives. He lives in our hearts. And he gives us the ability to cry, Abba, Father. Like, to even recognize that he is our Father, our Heavenly Father. So that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. That is awesome. So the fact that Jesus comes, he lives, what he accomplishes here on earth from the very beginning in Bethlehem, in the manger, he grows up, he accomplishes his task, he dies on the cross, he rises again three days later from the grave, and he is our redemption. He's the one, he's the only one who can save us. And the cool thing that Paul like continues to elaborate on and, and talk about here is the fact that at one point, all of us, and maybe some of you still here now, you are or have been a slave to sin. And your punishment, I've said this, I say this all the time, your punishment is death. All of us deserve death. But because of what Christ has done, and because of your faith in him, you're saved. And not only that, but he says, hey, you once were like the servants of the house. You once were like the slaves of the house. Not actually a part of the family. Like you were just here. But he says, but because of what Christ has done, now you have the ability to be adopted into the family. And that if you're adopted, then that makes you a son or a daughter. And that makes you an heir. That means that the inheritance, all of the things that, he, that, are, that are coming for Christ, for, for his people, you can be a part of that. You have the ability to be a part of that as he calls you, as he rescues you, and as you respond to him. Like, it's awesome and crazy. He, John writes about it in, in chapter 1 um, of his gospel. He says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born. There it is. He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's God who saves us, God who brings us into his family so that we can cry out, Abba, Father. We can say, Heavenly Father, you are my, like, you are my Heavenly Father. And we have the ability to cry out to him and to call on him. And we are no longer outside looking in, but we're now like we're in 
Like we're a part of the family. We have been adopted. And that is, it, he, John writes about it here that there's nothing that we can do on our own to try to come into this family, to be part of this, right? Like, so of this, think of it this way. Like, I can't just show up to your house, like for Christmas dinner or whatever, maybe like one of your traditions, like maybe I show up Christmas morning when you guys are opening presents and I'm like, I walk in the door and I'm like, what's up guys? What's up fam? Like, and I come in, I've got my slippers on and like my matching pajamas and I'm just like, hey, I just really wanted to be a part of your family. Like, You'd probably be like, uh, I mean, I guess you could come inside. Honey, call the police. <laughs> like, and me walking in and being like, I'm a part of this family. Like, doesn't make me part of your family. Like, I can't just be like, Hey, remember that one time I showed up for Christmas and I said I was a part of your family? Well, um, I know that, uh, you know, your dad, like, he's passing out allowance and stuff, so I just thought since I was a part of the family that I could, I could get in on that. Like, every Friday, maybe they could send that via direct deposit to my bank account because um, I'm a part of the family now, right? Like, that's not how it works. And also, you'd be kind of weirded out. It's, it's the same way, it's the same way that every single Sunday morning, we, we show up here, right? And you can't just walk in and be like, oh, hey, I'm part of the family now. Got my slippers on, got my matching PJs, got little crosses on them, it's great. Like, see, look, I'm in. And I think some of us try and do that. I think some of us try and say, hey, like, I've been coming to church a lot. Or like, I've been doing a lot of really good stuff lately. So like, that makes me part of this, right? And that's not it. It's not it. In the same way that I can't just walk in and be like, hey, I'm part of this family now. Send me allowance. Can I have some presents? Cookies? Great. Doesn't work that way. God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. How cool is that? That because Jesus came, because of what Christmas means, because of what we celebrate, that Jesus came to earth, he left his throne, he was born of woman, he was with us. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. Whenever we say that word in these songs, it means God, like he was here. He went out of his way to rescue and save. And because of that, we have a chance to go from people on the outside to not even just people on the inside, but to be called sons and daughters of the one true king. How awesome is that? That should change your Christmas. That should change the way that even that you pray. That should change the way that we sing. Because whenever you fully understand and grasp what God has done and the more and more, you guys, as I get older, the more and more that I look back at who I was before I knew Jesus and the things that I did and the, the things that I, I was about, the more and more that I look at that, the more and more I get to see how awesome and amazing God's rescue of, of my own heart was.
and is today. It's crazy for me to look back and to think about who I was and the things that I did and to know that even in the midst of that, God knew that's who I was going to be. And long before I was even born, he still sent his son Jesus to be born in a manger, to live a perfect life, to die and rise again because he knew that one day he was going to call me to himself. And that changes the way that I sing. That changes the way that I treat my family. That changes the way that I care for people because now all of a sudden, people that I run into, people that you come in contact with, people that you deal with on a daily basis that don't know Jesus or that are, that are hard to get along with or that things just become difficult, like you, all of a sudden you look at that and you go, you know what? That was me. That's where I used to be. That's where I once was. That was like I was on the outside looking in. And I know that if Jesus can work in me, he can work in this person. And so I'm going to pray for them. And I'm going to talk to them. And I'm going to preach them the gospel, the good news, the hope that I have that's found in Jesus. And, and it all started with Christmas. It all started with the manger. It all started with Jesus coming to be like us so that he could call us sons. Let me pray for us, and I'm gonna have the band come up, and we're gonna sing one more song, and then we're gonna get out of here. But how cool that the God of the universe sent his son so that we could receive his spirit and call him Father. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We're thankful for your rescue. Thank you for sacrificing your son. Thank you for what, what this season of, of Christmas time means and what it points us to remember, what it points us back to. Thank you that it reminds us of Jesus. Thank you, God, for saving me, for rescuing those of us in here who believe. We love you, and we pray that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. In your name we pray, amen.